hopefully today we will continue, maybe even at least finish some part of God's instruction to us on how to walk with Him and how to be allow God's blessing to overtake us and to walk is in life. Now, <clears throat> I hope as we're worshiping, you know, we're allowing God to speak to our hearts and allowing the light to come, the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. <clears throat> I'm beginning to realize, or at least come to an understanding, or at least hear more and more, that in my own life, the utter hopelessness that I have without Christ. I believe that's a, a, for me anyway, it's a greater and greater revelation as I, as he walks with me, and I find that without him, as Jesus said, I can do nothing. Now I think years ago, you used to hear that and go, well yes, that's true. And it was true years ago. But now I'm beginning to understand that in a far deeper and greater way. That God's plan, you know, sometimes we think, oh, wow, isn't that great? We're saved because God loved us. And those things are true. But it was God's plan. And it was God who saw us and sought us while we were yet not looking for God, while we had no interest in God. God said, I will save them. I will send my son to die for their sins. And without any thanks, without any knowledge, without any understanding of that in our hearts, we just kind of walked in darkness until one day, by the Holy Spirit, He revealed what was done to us. And I believe that's an ever-growing revelation. But I believe the darkness in our hearts sometimes is so wicked that it, we, we shut out the light. See, and we need to understand that light comes. And Jesus makes this very clear, but so many times because we are humans, and we, if we just live a natural life, now, again, we talked about that last week, without the pruning of God. See, God wants us to be the cultivated field. He doesn't want just, like, green growth everywhere. He has a plan to have us pruned and cultivated to produce what He desires. Now, without that, most of us live, and it's a continual thing. You don't just, like, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could just get your hair cut once? I mean, I just, you know, could you imagine just shaving once? But things aren't like that. You know, sometimes we think, okay, well, now I've got it. You know, why it's always so heavy? Why is mom and dad, why are, the, why are they always... Well, because we tend to grow naturally. You prune a tree, but as soon as you prune it, it starts to grow a couple other branches where you don't want it. And so what do we need to do? Well, you need to prune it again. Now, most of us, one of the great things that I, I realize in, in, as I look into the Scripture is that God speaks to areas of our life a real big area is laziness. Now, some of us have at least, to, in some areas, overcome that. But the root of laziness is still in us. And we are just lazy at doing God's things. Now, we're going to be looking at the instruction that God gives us on how to actually walk with God. Now, again, God is mystical. We are not to be mystical. All right, we've talked about that, and and most of the times, in, even in the uh, in the church, even early on the Colossian church, they started getting into this mystic, weird stuff, and Paul had to bring them back and say, "No, this is God is a spirit. Now we are not a spirit; we have a body. Now we are spiritual cre creation because Christ has come into us, but we're not just all spirit. Now people that are all spirit, and how else to say this, are just weird." Okay, and I say that because I used to be a very spiritual man. People used to say, that guy's weird. I said, no, I'm very spiritual. Until I realized this is the book that defines what spiritual is. This is the book that defines what love is. Now, when the light comes into the world, Jesus said, what did he say? They wouldn't receive it. Man, I don't like that. Why? Now, again, unbelief. Now, we need to understand this. See, some people think, well, unbelief is just a belief of nothing or a... No, unbelief is a belief of something else other than the truth. Now, because we have a sin nature, almost everything, if not everything God speaks to us, we have another opinion. 
Now, I really think there's a book missing in the Bible. It's, I think it's the book of second opinions. Because most of us got, well, no, this is what I think. Well, I know the Bible says, but this is what I think. Well, I know, but... And again, we just naturally, even after being pruned, maybe we come to church or so forth, but I believe what God desires for more than just a church meeting. I don't believe God ever intended church just to be a meeting. He doesn't say when he describes a church, he doesn't say, oh, it's a nice meeting place. Well, it's a nice place to meet. He says, this is my body. This is a building. This is a, a living community, a plant or garden that's growing together. And see, it's very easy to kind of have church. I mean, how many people, I mean, you can even put up with me for about, you know, 45 minutes. But on a daily basis, you're going to find some things that you're going to have to put up with that you might not like. Now, this is why God, I, I believe that the Lord is in charge of all things. Right now, I believe that. But there's times that I, man, why is God doing this? Why did this happen? And I don't see what. He is in charge of all things. Now, I was talking to somebody. I, said, <clears throat> I had some spiritual people come into my rug store the other day. And they, they bought a rug, so God bless them. <clears throat> but they started talking, and they started talking about, you know, the subject came up that I was Armenian and persecution and so forth. And, of course, they brought up, you know, how the, the, uh, the Spaniards kind of persecuted the Indians and this, that, and the other thing. And I said, you know, kind of, why, why did they do that? And, of course, this wonderful answer came out. Well, because they're, they were Catholic, and they were doing it for the church. And that's, and it, very, it sounds so wonderful. It sounds, that's why I'm against organized religion. Now, doesn't that sound good? How many people here are, now I'm not going to say were, how many people are against organized religion? Yeah. We are wrong. See, there is one person that I know is, likes, is, is actually in favor of organized religion. It's God. He made it up. He didn't say, okay, now when you get saved, you'll just be very happy and you'll float. In there. No, he doesn't do that. He wants to put the children the fatherless and homeless in families. He puts in the church, and in the church, if you go and read it, now hopefully we're getting offended, that when we read it, the Bible actually sets up authority in the church, organizes elders. There's people who have the rule over you. Now we're getting even madder. And now, now and this, this is the way the house, the wife should be, the husband should be, the children should be. This is the way you organize. You just can't stand up in church and just prophesy anything. There's an organization. Now, that doesn't mean there's not mistakes. But God made organized religion. Now, that's something you have to see. I can either choose to accept that or kind of go my own way. Now, most of us continually... Things come up in our life that just kind of entice us to go our own way. We're good, common-sense people. Even though we know the Word of God, and James addresses this. He says, you read the Word of God but immediately forget what it says when something comes up in life. So here you are, right? In the, I mean, the things are going along just fine. And one day you're walking past this beautiful tree, and the devil says, well, not the devil, the serpent, says, Psst, have you looked at this tree? And now she, she immediately says, well, we're not supposed to eat of that tree. So she knew the Word of God. Most of us know the Word of God. But what kicked in was no longer revelation, it was common sense. Logical, deductive reasoning that seemed to be correct. It looks good to eat. It looks, it'll make you wise. You'll be like God. Well, man, those things are all correct. But what it failed to do... Now, the, how should the just live? By common sense, right? I mean, I know God's given us faith, but He's also given us a brain. I don't know why He did that. I read something on a calendar. It's a weird calendar. Do, do starfish have no brains? That's what this calendar said. Anyway. <laughs> said, ask your science teacher. So I'm asking my science teacher. Starfish have no brains. But anyway. They, they were, I, anyway. Okay, I'm going. Okay. I told you I get easily distracted. We then many times revert to common sense because it fits us so well. See, it just seems... I mean, can't you see? Now... Years later, Saul had the same problem. He had a revelation, a prophetic word from God. He was given direction. But when the press came, 
He relied on his own wisdom. And what did Saul say when he relied on his own wisdom? And we'll hear it much in the church. God told me, I'm doing the will of God. Now, this is where we're coming to where I need to get down in my heart and in my spirit that I am a sinner. And unless I follow God's word and embrace that, and I actually let that start taking me, even when things come up, i got to say, nope, that's incorrect. Now, see, many times we just throw up our hands and we say, well, who can do that? I, you expect me to be perfect? No, I do not expect you to be perfect. God does. He says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I don't know why he says stuff like that. Because he knows full well we're not going to do that. But he gives us that to shoot for. You know, sometimes we just like to, we like to just, we like to be, again, there's a lazy part of us. We love to give up. We just love to give up. It's one of like, see, Adam gave up right away. Here, Adam, eat this. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is a man who talked face to face with God. God said, don't eat of it, you'll die. Here comes Susie Q and says, oh, Adam, would you like... And immediately he says, yes. What is the matter with us? See, Saul, immediately we abdicate. We love to surrender. And there's something good. See, a lot of people say, oh, I don't like to be depressed. I think most of us love depression. We love to be, oh, man, I'm no, I feel bad. Wait a minute. Why is that? Elisha. Remember Elisha? Elijah? second one. Elijah. <coughs> he, he, he gets, you know, he, he do, he's doing the will of God. He gets, something happens, he gets bummed out. Has anybody, can anybody relate to Elijah? And when, when, th- when you're doing the will of God and things don't seem to go your way, there's a tree with your name on it. It's called the whining Elijah tree. Now, I'm not making fun of him. We're, we're brothers. I've been there. We like to sit under there and say, oh, I was, I was trying to do the best I could, and now it's just going terrible, and he wants to eat worms and die. Now, it's amazing how God works with Elijah. Now, we need to get this down in our spirits, because man generally likes to lift himself up above God and come up with a better plan. See. Now, I think there's a place for education and a place for like studying the Bible but that really is fairly easy you know I, I was watching watching the news and man it, it is just it is just grievous but you know this whole thing about education we need to like spend more money for, education is a very simple thing to do if you have the right environment it doesn't take a lot of money to educate if you have the right environment But when that environment is gone, then all things will become very difficult, if not impossible. So education and learning is actually very easy. And it's actually something people like to do. I know people that go to school their whole life. You know, they keep taking more and more courses. Now, there may be a place for that, but it is not necessarily going to work in you what God desires to work in you. Now, there's a place like, you know, and again, we, we kind of want to make these big things like, oh, I went to Bible school. I think that's wonderful. But it doesn't mean a whole lot. Because unless we can actually apply the teachings and the instruction of God in the great Bible school that God invented. See, now when God created Adam and Eve, He didn't give them all this stuff to do. He said, here is life. This is all you have to do. Walk with me through life. When Jesus came, what did he do? He came as a man and walked in life and he overcame this world. He overcame the things of the temptations of this life. We are now called to walk as he walks where? In life as he walked. When he chose the children of Israel, same prayer that he prayed for the disciples, don't take them out of the world, Keep them. I believe we should be a city set on a hill. Our life in this life should be manifesting the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, living by an entirely different set of standards, ideas, values, and faith, and a thinking process other than common sense. Now that's going to take a great breaking. 
and it's going to take people that get over their laziness and you want to hear things or will hear things that will not come from them. Peter, I will show you, Paul, I will show you what great things you will suffer for my name's sake. Peter was prophesied showing by what death he should glorify God. He prophesied to Peter showing that when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. But when you come to some maturity, you realize it's not all about you. There is a greater purpose to life of doing the will of God and you will extend your hands to do something you don't want to do. Now that is the will of God. For when Jesus was seemingly doing the will of God, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching, casting out devils, doing all manner of good, the Bible says, preaching the gospel to the poor, He came to the same kind of a thing that Elijah did, but a hundred times infinitely greater. He said, Father, should I pray that You deliver me from this hour? For this hour I came into the world. Wait a minute. He didn't want to do that. He knew what pain that would bring to his family, to his mother, to his own life. He knew that he would be from his disciples. But this was the will of God. There are certain things that we need to settle in our heart that God wants to accomplish and we have no idea about it. But He's given us instruction and we are to follow the instruction. And in so following the instruction, we overcome in this thing called life. Anybody else here want to get out of life? God puts us right in the middle of it. You know, I think that's why, you know, have you ever wondered why when you became a Christian, he just didn't set you up with a million dollars and just said, hey, just serve me, go to church? Now, my wife is from Alaska, Palmer, Alaska. She was actually born there before it was a state. I like to say that. And she was raised in Alaska. But I remember now, when I got saved, all kinds of hippies were getting saved. And I remember they were saying, you know, when none of us lived in Alaska before. And so we were saying, man, praise God, you know, when, when we can't wait till winter time because we thought winter is going to be like, I mean, it's extremely cold, 30, 40 below, snow everywhere for months and months at a time. The sun hardly comes out. But anyway, we didn't know that. But we kind of had these, we have like romantic ideas. You know, most of our romantic ideas have got us in trouble. Any wives here? Yeah. I mean, look at some of us. Where do you get these ideas? I mean... <laughs> and so, the guys used to be saying, boy, we can't wait till winter because it's going to be cold and dark. All we're going to be doing is sitting around reading the Bible and praising God. And I remember Christy would go, what are they talking about? We don't do that in Alaska. We work. I mean, And so, at the end of that summer, and the winter came, there must have been 60, 80 people there shrunk down to about 13. Because actually it didn't, we didn't sit around and actually read the Bible. We actually had to do that. And many times the doing of it, remember what it said, Peter said in Joel, this is that. And until, if we don't make that connection, we might want to find some other way to serve God that actually doesn't deal with me. So at the end of that, 13 people left. We lived on a dairy farm, serving God as best as we could. And you know what serving God was for me? Picking frozen silage. Does anybody know what silage is? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, silo, it's all filled with silage, and it kind of ferments. It's very good for cows. Nice smell to it. And, they, you know, this, this had all the right equipment. It had, a, it had a self-feeding auger and supposed to throw it down into an auger belt that would feed the cows, but all of it was broken or frozen. <laughs> and so there was... My job for a time was to take a pickaxe and get up there and pick 30 to 40 below outside. Actually, it was warmer in the silo, so it wasn't a bad place. And so I'm picking frozen silage out of a silo throwing it down this chute. My wife is down there with a wheelbarrow. I mean, look at her. God wouldn't do that to you, would he? Did you feel it? And she's having the... Now, it could look like a lot of things. See, if you would have looked at Job, you would have had a doctor look at Job. You would have 
he had saw boils all over his body. They said, man, he's got an infection here. This is the kind of bacteria it is. This is why it's happening. And all those things would be factual. But God is saying something else is going on. There is a spiritual battle going on. And if we never understood that, we can take care of the symptoms, but our lives are never changed. To where Job comes out with this statement, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That is a statement that should... Now, God wants to bring us to that place. That Let's turn our Bibles to, to Proverbs chapter 3. These are sayings that we love to say, but the reality of practicing will actually bring us to the end of our natural life. And this is where God wants to continually bring us. There's a continual pruning because the natural man cannot please God, cannot serve God. The best he can do is come up with his own ideas and change God's plans around. And when we've talked much about that. We will continue to do that. All right. Verse 5 of chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. How many people like that scripture? Doesn't it sound good until you have to pick silage? Or until you have to... Now, most of us probably here will never have to pick frozen silage. But there are going to be things that God will bring into your life that you can avoid. You don't have to do them, Saul. You don't have to do them, Samson. You don't have to do them. Put in all those. But it's those who will hate their life, realizing that I am a sinner, and my ways are not God's ways. And if I rely on my own understanding... So what does it mean to trust the Lord? See, that's a wonderful saying, as long as I keep it in some mystical sense. And basically, if I never have to hear any correction. If I hear correction, I say, that's not the Lord, but I'm trusting God. No, 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 no. There is a way in how to choose the fear of the Lord. See, again, how do we fear God? See, most of us don't know these wonderful sayings. But the reality is, how do I do that? Well, God wants to say, this is how you do it. And this is how you can measure yourself or test yourself to see if you're really walking with. See, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you'd like to come after me, if you would like to follow me, if you'd like to be with me, you need to do this, this, and this. Go sell all that you have. Don't bury your dad. See, you've got to understand, these, are, these were morally offensive issues to people. God is going to morally offend you. Because if your morals are not in God, they are immoral. <clears throat> even though it does look good for food, even though it will make you happy, even though you think you're serving God, no. Peter wanted to serve God, keeping Jesus from going to the cross. No. Paul thought he was serving God by persecuting. No. No, you will. Oh, I cannot trust myself. So trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes and depart from evil. I found as I was growing, and I, now again, I don't want to put this, I, I have to sometimes make things so gross or so, so big that we can see them, but I don't want to leave them there. We need to see that we too, because that same natural area is in our life, can still overtake us. I found as I grew up, the things that used to be evil to me, the list got smaller and smaller. So I would actually begin to think, I'm not really doing bad. Those capitalists deserve to get stolen from. And it's mine, you know. Well, you know, I don't think, you know, uh, drugs really aren't that bad. It's a mind, it helps me get closer to God. Um, no, you know what, I, I think, you know, I know my mom and dad taught me this, but I... God said, don't eat, but I see something. And so most of us say, okay, depart from evil. Most of the evil in our life is things that we call good. That's good to eat. That doesn't make sense to me. We have to allow God to define what evil is and what good is and not left up to my own. So I need to trust the Lord. Victor, what do you think good is? Well, I think this isn't... Oh, my goodness. Who can do that? Well, I need to make it... Okay, I'm going to stop practicing this, and I'll start to practice this. Now, if that never happens, we find that our lives really are never changed. Now, they're never going to be changed to where, at some point, they won't, there's 
multi-temptation. There's always got to be pruning. But eventually, the general shape will take hold. And you'll start to say, oh, okay, I see that. I see that. I see that. And I start to think in a different way. These things, I believe, are principles or laws that God can instruct us in. And we can actually grasp them and practice them. Or we can actually hear them and not practice them. See, the Bible says, Jesus said, there's two men, the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man hears the word of God and does it. The foolish man hears it but doesn't do it. There's an actual doing. This is what really gets us. It's the doing of the word. Now, where is most of that doing going to take place? In organized religion. It's in the church. It's in life. It's in God's directing you. And where do most of us... See, most, most of the time, why does the devil have such an easy time scattering the sheep? See, because we like, generally, it's easy to scatter them. See, when you feel bummed out, I'm not coming to church. Oh, you know, they're always telling me what I don't want to do. I think I know. Wait a minute. Lean not to your own understanding. Well, I believe... I know you believe this. No. Now, see, again, even the Lord Jesus Christ, while here on this earth, submitted himself, reduced himself to being under, if you would, these restraints. Insomuch that one day his mother was going to a wedding, wants to bring Jesus. There's no wine left. And guess who came up with the idea to make more wine? It wasn't Jesus. It was the pushy Jewish mom. You know, most people think Mary was, you know, Mary. Oh, have you been around Middle Eastern women? And Mary said, the mother of Jesus says, make more wine. Jesus says, What's, it's not, I don't want to do that. You can put it in kingdom. It's not my time. What's it to me? Mind your own business. I don't feel like it. And she kind of like moves him into, and that's the first miracle, and from there on, something takes place. Do you have a pushy mom in your life? It may be Mary. It may be God. And we, we talked about it. We'll talk about it. You, you must obey the law of your mother. See, and Jesus was learning this all the time. When he was about 12 or 13, remember, he went off to, 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 to teach at the synagogue. I mean, it, it's a good thing that the... What's the social services called here? DES wasn't around. They didn't know he was missing for three days. What kind of parents did God put his son in? I mean, could you imagine being gone for three days? You don't even know where he is. Have the, we need to put him in a foster home. They finally find Jesus, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, doing his father's business. Doing your father's business or doing God's will, is it more important than following the order of God? Depends on who's doing it. If it's me, yes. <laughs> if it's you, no. And so he says, should I not be doing the will of God? And there's that mom again. Get home, you little scamp. Now, I don't know how he... I mean, she was a mom. I mean, could you imagine after three days... How many people ever lost their kids at the fair or something like that? At first, you're like... Then you realize they just ran off. <laughs> Sadness quickly turns into a time of loving correction. <laughs> and so Jesus... And, and the amazing thing, it says, and Jesus went with his mom and dad. Now, his mom and dad were who? people. They were sinners. They were a part of an organized religion. They seemed to make mistakes because they were people. And Jesus, doing the will of God, went home with his mom and dad and was subject. Do you know what subject means? It means submitted. It means bowing your will to his mom and dad until some 23 years later, go make some wine, son. There's an order in God. How many people have a better way? I did. I did. I 
And now God is going to say, will you yield yourself to me and trust me above what you think, what you feel, and what you think is better for your life than your own thoughts? You look at the life of Ruth. I, I find some of the stories in the Bible are just, I, I don't know why they're really in there. Ruth, she doesn't do anything amazing. Basically, her husband dies. She's a foreigner. She's with her mother-in-law. The mother-in-law even says, kind of gives her the common sense answer. You know, you, don't come back. You're, you'll be a foreigner in my country. Go back and, and get married, have kids, enjoy yourself. She says, no, Naomi, I will stay with you. Now, that's a noble thing. But it's not, I mean, what does Ruth go on to do? Well, she goes on to live the life of a beggar. Naomi has to teach her, we have a custom in this country. Go around and you'll pick up the barley. Now, if you did that, it'd be like, it's probably not quite as bad. The only thing I can relate to is like the, the dumpster divers. You know, there he is, the kind of like, oh man, that guy's in hard shape. He looks, he has to eat the wheat, you know, it's falling. And so this is what she did. What, a, what kind of a thing is that? I mean, she could have probably, man, I could have been back home. I got, you know, relatives back there. I got to know my own language. The people don't look at me like a foreigner. And all that Ruth does, what does she do? She ends up getting married to Boaz. That's kind of the end of the story. Now, we look at it and go, there's an eternal plan. But sometimes Ruth didn't know there was an eternal plan. The heavens didn't light up and say, you will be the great, 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 great grandmother of the Messiah. And even if you knew that, do you, would you care? <laughs> would you, I mean, sometimes it's like we know we're part of God's great plan. I, know, I, just, I, just, I just want to do something. I just want to do this. There's a, there's a movie. I don't necessarily recommend watching it because it's kind of a strange one, but I saw it on an airplane, and on an airplane I'll just about do anything. It's called The Matrix. And basically, it's kind of this. It, 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 it's kind of weird, but it's kind of like the world. The world is kind of like not really what it appears to be. It's actually run by computers or machines, and basically, we're kind of like thinking we're doing stuff. And these people that have come out of that world. Anybody here come out of the world? And we realize that what is seen is made up of things that don't appear. And so basically, when you're eating a steak, you really weren't eating steak. You were eating something else. But it appeared to you because it, you liked that, that you were eating steak. And, but when these guys came out of the world, they no longer were able to partake of what the world had to offer. And after a while, sometimes there's a longing in it, isn't there? How many people would just like to do what you want to do just once? Once isn't enough. Once never is enough. And so this guy ends up betraying all his friends for what deep reason? He just, he says, I know it's not real. I just want to eat steak. I just want to have what's, I'm tired of walking by faith. I'm, I'm lazy. I know I'm tired of resisting. I'm tired of obeying. How many people here seem to obey and obey, which you haven't, and it seems like you get nothing for it? Well, you weren't promised anything anyway. See, how many people would love to love? How many people would like to love God? We all like that until He starts telling us what that means. If you love me, you'll do what I say. And immediately it's like, oh, that's not. That's what works in us. The Father glorified Jesus for what reason? Because Jesus did. If you read it right in John, the, the Son always does what I've asked Him to do. Therefore, I glorify my Son, and I'll glorify it again. And so there's got to be this now working in us that says, you know what? We have come out of the world. There's still those desires and things that seem to work against us. But we know that the things that are seen are made up of things that don't appear. We understand Job's boils and sore boils and all his pain wasn't because of something else. It wasn't just the disease. Wasn't he there was something else going on. The things that are working on you are from an, another realm than what just seems to be going on. There's something more important, if you will. There's actually something more important than even your feelings your desires and your goals. It's called those things have to be let go. 
to where the will of God becomes the most important thing in our life. And we let that change us and change my viewpoints and attitudes on all things. Now, I believe this is one of the great parts that really does not take place in the church. It's called discipleship. It's called training. The Bible talks about in Ephesians the equipping of the saints. That's why I believe in the church today it's pretty fragmented. And even amongst ourselves, we kind of have our own ideas on things and our own opinions, and I vote for this person, I think that way, and I think, I think God wants to say, children, this is what I want for you to do. See, now, if you would have asked, Jesus made it very clear. If you would talk to my father, you're going to get the same answer that you get from me. And Jesus prayed that we would be one even as he is one. That doesn't mean you're going to always naturally come up with your, the same answer God did. But he will give you the direction and the answer. And now it would be up to you to say, like Jesus said, nobody takes my life. Has anybody here ever felt like your life is being controlled by somebody else? Anybody here like that? See, and it's actually getting more and more in this generation. Pretty soon you're going to have your, the world controlling. But Jesus made it very clear. Nobody controls my life except God. Pilate was, see, he was still living in the matrix. Pilate said, don't you understand? You should be scared of me, Jesus. I have the power to take your life. There it was. The matrix was real, real. There's a cross. I mean, he might have even passed people being crucified. They crucified by the thousands. Cruelty? We don't understand the word cruelty. Jesus would see people. The disciples would see people. Maybe even some of his friends were taken. I mean, we think we don't understand that. I have known people that have been tortured. I have known people that have lost their family under cruel governments. We don't know those things. So we kind of, oh, well, Jesus would look at that and Pilate would actually confront him with facts and say, wake up, man! What's the matter with you? Don't you know I can take your life? Jesus would have to speak against that and say, no, nobody takes my life. Nobody can take your life. But Jesus makes this say as the Son of God who did not need to do this, said, I lay down my life. Will you willingly lay down your life to something that, Peter, you didn't choose? This is the, the great voluntary love that I believe God wants in the church. And I believe as we do that, the church will come together in one mind and one accord. And I believe then God will be able to glorify the church because we do what He says. Now, see... I mean, I like to be happy. I like to have nice things go on. I, 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 you know, sometimes I think when I, when I preach like this, I, I, I think sometimes we get the idea that, oh, well, he, he just, he's just like that. I have the most difficult time with these things. I, I would love to just, you know, I mean, I, I wish God would just, like, make it rain not on my house but everywhere else. Now, I know you, th you think that's funny, but sometimes I kind of like, you know, why did it have to, you know, and I wouldn't like it too hot, and I wouldn't like it too cold. And I'd like everything, you know, how many people here would just like to know what to do every day? I mean, I don't like to have to figure things out. I don't like to have to make mistakes. I don't like to have to do this. I don't like to have to go through trials. I don't like to have to wrestle with my own mind about God working in my life. How many people here had a, would thought at the end of 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60, whatever, you were going to be in a different place than you are now. I know Moses did. I know Paul did. I know Jesus did. I know Mary did. I know Jacob did. And I've said it before, and I've got to say it by faith, I have to thank God I didn't end up the way I thought my life would. He's got a hold of me. And he's got a hold of you. Now let's allow his will to be done in our life. Now I believe these things can be understood, at least in a level that they are practicable. Okay? See, I don't need to understand everything. Now most people know I'm pretty computer illiterate. But actually, I've gotten to a place to where I can actually do quite a bit on them because I don't know what to do. Now let me explain that. People tell me, you don't touch that button. So guess what I do? I don't touch that button. I don't need to know why. Don't, don't touch that button. This is the way you turn it on. Got that. I can actually do bring up email myself, send email myself, find out where the addresses are. I can go online. I can, man, because my wife said, this is what you do. You don't never do that. Got it. 
this is what you do. Got it. Got it. Most people, you can't tell me what to, tell me what to do. I've got that. Most of us can learn pretty well if we would empty ourselves. But see, somewhere along the line, pride likes to come in there. Well, I know. You, and again, I think we were able to be instructed much better when we were younger. Now, you're noticing very, very quickly with, with some of the grandchildren. Now, well, my own children, when they were younger too. Two, at the age, you know, we think like, well, the kids, when they're 16, 17, 15, 18, they, they're grown up. Most people say by the age of four or five, a child's personality is already formed. You've got a very short time to teach that child anything because pretty soon they already know stuff. To where it used to be, oh, help me up. See, Anna, Anna, she's so cute. She's coming up the stairs. Now, you know how kids walk up the stairs? They're, and it used to be, help me. Now, I, I re- don't help me, Grandpa. Got it. And pretty soon now they know everything. They can put their own shoes on. They don't need you. Pretty soon they, and they get, that's a constant battle. Now, when we were younger, we were able to hear instruction. When you first got saved, what is it? Got that, got But after a while, something happens that we think we know something. Now, the Bible says, be careful. If you think you know something, become a fool so that you can learn something. This is something that we need to continually empty ourselves about. Okay? Now, Proverbs chapter 1. We talked about this, the reason for the Proverbs given so that we can hear, we can learn wisdom. God now wants to instruct the body of Christ. Now, I don't care how the world does it. I am not really interested on anything else. This is what I believe God is instructing me and therefore instructing you on how we ought to walk and build the church. Okay? Now, the Bible talks about Paul says, I'm a master builder. Now, everybody has got to build. But it's our job then is to take the blueprints and build according as it's been instructed to us. See, now I built a house. I built two houses now. I built it according to the blueprint. Now, guess who made the blueprint? Does anybody know who made the blueprint? No, Christy did. Christy did. And there's probably a good reason for that. Because when she doesn't... She, she has this... Now, we're going to talk about women, too. But she has this ability to think, or I think maybe she wants to believe that, that I can do anything. Or she can talk me into doing anything. I'm not sure. <laughs> But I'm not a carpenter, I'm not a builder, I'm not a professional person. She wants, she has a, a turret, a round part of the building. Angles in the house. And I look at that. See, and again, beware of technology. Technology can actually make you think you're smarter than you are. But eventually it shows you that you're dumber. And so you have this, you know, and out comes this beautiful plan. Oh, isn't this a lovely house? Well, no, I'm looking at it. I don't think it's a lovely house. You know why? How many people know why I don't think it's a lovely house? Because I have to build it. And I don't know how to do it. And I don't want to do that. And I know I'm going to hit my thumb and I'm going to, you know, have leaks in the plumbing and I don't want to do that. I, you know, here I, I like, you built like a square house. You know, there's two of us. We used to have a five-bedroom house. You know, now there's two of us. We should have maybe like, you know, one bedroom. What do we need all this other stuff for? No, no, this is what we do. Now we have a very lovely home. But the person that makes the blueprint isn't the person that builds it. Moses had the same problem. God gave Moses the blueprint. Guess who didn't build the tabernacle? Moses. But he instructed those that were gifted. Anybody here feel you're more gifted than other people? Yes? Good! That's not the question. Your gift is to be instructed by another gift to be used in the body. What's the most important part of your body, do you think? Okay, let's, let, the brain. Okay, just go be a brain. You'd, you'd be dead, besides being ugly. They need to work together. As a matter of fact, God gives us a, another clue. He puts uncomely parts of the body in the body for you who think you're big shots. Okay? You who th- think yourself, oh, I got... I think, I think there's people here that are... See, I don't necessarily... I don't view myself as particularly gifted at all. As a matter of fact, I feel like a pretty... wish somebody else would take over here pretty quickly. I don't feel gifted. I feel, don't feel, I feel pretty much less than normal. don't really can't do too much. 
My wife takes care of me pretty well. You guys take care of a lot of the administration, pretty much keep me going on the right thing. Don't really have too much gifting. I believe there's people here that are more gifted in many areas than myself. But you're lacking in something. And sometimes that lacking is a good swift kick in the pants. And some people, I'm just good at that. Okay. <coughs> now, I don't want to read this over again. We read the first chapter of Proverbs pretty well. But we're going to start here in verse 20. Let's start in verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? See, how long will you stay naive? How long will you just kind of stay in your own little world and be violent? Get out of that and start saying, you know what, I want to serve God. I want to have God work in my life. I want to be changed. I don't want to just stay simple. See, now, I had a very simple life before I was saved. I just didn't, I mean, I don't want to go into it, but I just didn't have any, I didn't have any responsibility, didn't have any need for money, didn't have anything, didn't have friends, didn't have nothing. I had a very simple life very peaceful life, very tranquil life, very self-centered life. And then I came to Jesus. And I immediately thought, because I was living so well, that now that I had Jesus, things would even go better. Well, they have. They just were different than what I thought better meant. See, I thought if you could meditate for four hours, you'd probably be able to meditate for eight hours. If you could walk in the snow for six hours, then you could, or you could eat at... God said, no, you're, 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 you're so far wrong. I want to show you what great things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. Now, it wasn't so much the suffering. This is what actually kept me away from the Lord for a while. Because, I, I mean, I read the Bible before I was saved, but I was like into this kind of like being suffering kind of a thing. You know, we walk on this and do this. And then I was looking at Christians. Look at us. Like I said, I drive a Cadillac now. No glass on the seat or anything. <laughs> <clears throat> and I looked at people and I said, man, they're not suffering. And then I went through suffering. The suffering of having to deny yourself to give up what I thought was right and embrace Him. That was suffering. This is the suffering that needs to take place. So how long will you stay simple? You scorners. How, the, and the scorner delight in his scorning and the fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you, and I'll make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and you refused, you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and you regarded it not. You have set it not all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity, and will mock when your fear comes. Now, Well, I'm going to just read the end of this because I think it's, it goes together. When your fear comes and desolation and your, and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when then distress and anguish come upon you. Many times we find ourselves in situations because we would not hear God. And sometimes we, then we cry out. He's going to say, no, you're still going to have to learn the lesson. And then shall ye call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early and they shall not find me. We are to walk with the Lord. We are to walk in His ways. Not be taken from out of calamity and distress and taken out of calamity and distress. We're to walk in a way that pretty much we avoid that. The Bible says a wise man sees evil. Now again, what's evil? What God said is evil. He sees it coming and he takes steps. Now most of the time we stay simple as Christians. And we're like, you hear about, man, I'm like, I don't know, I'm in, I'm in debt. I don't know how I got in debt. I don't know how my wife left me. I don't know how my kids, I don't know, I was serving God. You didn't hear God, and now you're in this place. And I'm calling out to Him. Call out to Him before, and then when He tells you what to do. See, it'd be like when you come into the, the turn that says 15 mile an hour speed limit. You, it tells you that before you're in the turn. Now, if you ever go into those at 60 miles an hour and try to go to 15 in the curve, what's going to happen? Ha, 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 they laugh at your calamity. Bam! Well, I tried to... No, no. Way before it says... Dead, dead, blind curve, 15 miles an hour. A wise man would say what? Take my foot off the gas, and I slow down, and when I get into the curve, I'm going 15. See? Now, that's the way God is saying. Because when, when God says it, it might look... See, like Paul. Paul was being taken to Rome. I love this, this story. 
and the, the centurion on the ship, or the, the owner of the ship, Paul said, had a word from God. He said, I feel that there's going to be this, 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 this journey will be very perilous and very dangerous. We're going to lose the ship. You should not leave from this port. But the next morning or that day, the, the captain of the ship and the owner looked out, and what did it look like? It said, boy, it's a sunny day. <laughs> I love it. And the, the, the wind was blowing gently from the east. And they said, this is, we're not going to, how many, and it said, this, this port isn't commodious. Are you part of a non-commodious church family? You could be doing better at the Hilton or at the big church or at, and the gentle wind blew and they supposed they had favor. <laughs> not many days hence, they're throwing stuff out of the ship. And at that point, they're actually ready to do whatever Paul says. Okay. Now, it says scoffers. You delight in your scoffing. Please be aware of this. I don't know if there's a scripture like it. There's a scripture called the winking of the eye, but be aware of the rolling of the eye. How long will you scoffers love scoffing? delight in scoffing. How long will you not hear my reproof? How long will you not hear my instruction? I've seen it and i felt it. Well, I really think don't be a scoffer. See, that means, what is that actually saying? Oh, I'm trusting myself more than God's direction for me. Well, I don't see I think I can take that turn at 60 miles an hour. I think this wind's pretty good. No, no, no. Now, all those things may appear to be true. And, in, tr and in, in this world, they may actually taste like steak. But what God has intention is not steak, but his will to be done in your life so that you will be conformed to the image of Jesus. So beware of the rolling of the eyes. And the, the, the other part is, it says, you put at naught and would have none of my... You despise my reproof. Now, we talked about being despising and putting at naught. It means paying no attention to it. Oh, that's just dad. He's a little... Oh, that's just a... I just, or even worse than that, it's like you don't even... Oh, yeah. You put it at naught. Just don't even weigh it out because it seems so ridiculous. Well, they did that to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put everybody out. She's, she's sleeping. She's not dead. And they laughed. Oh, man, this guy is crazy. This is ridiculous. They laughed him to scorn. Beware of the rolling of the eyes. And now, this, this starts out how? Now, how many people would be willing to do this and are willing in your own heart? Are you willing to do this for Jesus? Is anybody here willing to do this for Jesus? Amen? <clears throat> First off, we wouldn't be because Peter didn't. Peter is actually talking... To the risen Lord. No, I mean, they're not even really having to exercise a lot of faith here. Jesus is risen. He's coming through walls, you understand. He's got the scars on his hand. He's appearing without, you know, coming through a door. This is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. They know the Scriptures. The Scripture has been fulfilled. There's been now several days... Jesus is on the beach, calls them in. There's a miracle. The fishes are there. They realize this is the risen Jesus. Paul, uh, Jesus now tells Peter, you're going to, by what death he's going to glorify God. Jesus is now instructing Peter, the risen, resurrected Jesus. But he, Peter is still a natural plant. So when you get a word from the Lord, what does Peter say? Well, what about him? You, I'm going, that would be me. Jesus' answer is, it's none of your business. I told you to do something. You see, this is the risen Lord. Don't deceive yourself. You're not that good. See, most of us think, well, if God spoke to me, I would obey. Well, the Bible tells me exactly different than that. I have to train myself or train my soul to actually, in obedience, obey God. And in my obedience, I show that I love him. Do you love me, Peter? Oh, yes. Oh, man, that's great. Then do what I asked you to do. Three times he has to get that through, and he still comes up with the answer. What about him? Okay. Be aware that you don't put those things off. That's just, now, how does this, this book start out? 
and all of it starts out like this, he's going to say, I'm going to show you something. This is my plan. I'm going to do it with my own uh, begotten son. I'm going to do it with Moses. I'm going to do it with every person. I am working in a way that you don't know about. Actually, you do know about it. And most of the times when we rebel against something, you can almost be sure it's got some godly quality in it. Because most of the time we, we actually rebel against right things. Yeah. <coughs> Where are we going to hear instruction? Where are we going to hear correction? Where are we going to hear reproof? Rarely will God come down from heaven and do that. But He is here. He is in His body. And He's in this life. As a matter of fact, it says, when are you, wisdom is crying out in the street. I've set up Bible school. I am the dean, he says. I'm in charge of the whole world. I am working. And you know what? You really don't have to pay a tuition. He's going to extract it from your life. But see, most of us, as, as good Americans also, we'd rather give money than my life. <clears throat> That's why we want to keep throwing money at schools, throwing money at this. won't work. God wants something else from us. Oh, boy. Let's look in verse 8 so we, we'll, we didn't get very far today. Let's start, start in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom. There it is again, that rolling of the eyes. The, I don't need to listen to that. I, how, many people now are, how many people are old enough here to make your own decisions? There's the beginning of folly. <coughs> The fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, who's writing this book? A man. And he's speaking to his children. Now we know that even, even let's say this was Solomon. We know Solomon wasn't perfect. I mean, he got, kind of really got off the deep end there after a while. But you don't see God come back and say, okay, now he's out. God knows all your faults. But guess who's in charge of the school? Guess who's in charge of your life? Guess who's really working there? Joseph, when it seemed like your brothers were selling you into slavery. Can you trust me, even though it doesn't make sense? My son, hear the instruction of your father. Did you feel rousing amen in that? See, because that's something I can actually say I do. Or I don't do. Now, if I don't do that, what does that make me? It makes me ungodly. It makes me ungodly. No matter what wonderful idea I've got, I might even have a better plan than my father. It means I am not allowing God's pruning to train me in his thinking. My son, hear the instruction, hear my instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of your mother. This needs to be something that... In, now, I'm not speaking just to the children. See, again, it's very easy to put that on the children. I think that it's very important for the children. But I believe it's in... See, most people think the children are the hope of the, of the future. No, 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 that's incorrect. It's the parents. It's the old people that are the, the hope of the future. Because it's what they put into their children that's going to affect the next generation. That's why we've got... We've got what, this mess that we're in. Most of the people, I mean, I grew up in the 60s. And I'm thinking, how could they do that? And I said, wait a minute. Those are people just like me, except they never repented. They never got saved. I mean, it would be a whole lot worse if I was out there. The children are not the hope of the future. It's you. And that's why the enemy comes to you when you're 40, 50, 60 years old and say, you know what? You've lived a good life. You've worked hard. Now it's time for you. Now don't be so... How many people are just tired of fighting? How many people are just tired of, of just having the struggle? Don't get tired. It's not all about you. There's a generation that's looking. That's why, why, do, why do kids dress the way they dress? Have you ever gone to some of the retirement places? I mean, come on. You, I mean, a halter top doesn't look good on you, lady. You know, your haircut, get, we're setting an example. 
It's not all about you. When you're 65, 70 years, it's not a retirement time. Yeah, you're going to move slower. Yeah, there's going to be some things. But we still have a call in God. That's why when Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, 80 years old, something like that, right? 80 years old. And even for them, that's old. I don't know, maybe he had a little walker. And he had an inheritance. You have been given an inheritance by God. Maybe you haven't waited. Maybe the church let you down as it let Joshua and Caleb down. But the inheritance is of God and He is the dean of the school and He is working and is still working in your life even when it doesn't seem like it. And after 80 years, His place was up on the mountain. Let's get Him. You know, we're out well, good, you know. Well, why don't you go up there and get them? I really would like, you know, to eat some of those grapes, but I'm just not the man I used to be. Well, I'm not the man I used to be. I'd rather get taken out getting the giants than taken by the paramedics. That's the point of those stories. Don't succumb to those natural ideas. Well, you know, we, we used to serve the church pretty good, and now we're getting old, and, you know, the youth, are gonna, youth aren't going to be able to do it unless they see some guy out there saying, come on, let's go get him. Now, I don't know how many of the kids are going, oh, there's Caleb, you know, we had to push him up the, with the, you know. They was passed on to those children something else. They was passed on. Those are the only two that went in from the other generations. They needed an example. The youth needed an example of people that lay down their lives, people that say, I heard that instruction. And they can see in you as adults saying, oh, they're doing the instruction that they were instructed by the church, by the pastor. See, this is where it gets real. If it doesn't, if if this, what you're going through now, isn't related back to that, this is that. Your skirt is too short is the fulfilling of the scripture. Not doing this is the fulfilling of the Scripture. Thinking like this is the fulfilling of the Scripture. And if we don't understand that, we're never going to watch our father's sheep and we're never going to fulfill God's purpose. This is that. You little scamp, you better get home and never run away again. It's time to get out there and make some wine. I don't want to do that. Now, I know I don't understand how all that works, but there's a human aspect. See, Jesus didn't overcome as the Son of God. He was already overcome as the Son of God. God doesn't need to overcome. He overcame as the Son of Man. Just like Christ is in you, you need to overcome through this bodily life being changed into something you have no idea about and you're being instructed saying, man, I don't know about that instruction. Saying, now I will give myself to that and I'm going to start thinking and I start changing my life and guess what the youth are going to say there goes Caleb let's go after him yeah and I hope now man I want to we'll, we'll work on finishing this up in the next I was going to say next week but it seems like it just goes on for a long time but instruction learning to love instruction hating your own life and saying God I want you to work in me these things I start seeing that's instruction I hear that I'll do that. And it's always going to be about these things in life. He's going to deal with these things that seem to be of no value. That's why he actually says, I'm going to deal with you on these things that are unimportant because if you can't take care of your, you can't know how to comb your hair, cut your hair, wear makeup, don't wear makeup, what to watch on TV, when to come to church, when to wake up, how to clean your house. What am I going to tell you about the keys to the kingdom? If you don't know how to hear instruction on this, and so here we have these great teachings. I heard Jesus is coming back May 12th. I can wait that long. But if not, I heard 2012. I heard 88 reasons in 88, 90. But 2012, I, I, by the grace of God, I can hang on. But he says, and we're like, we want to hear about Rev-. He says, you haven't even got your room cleaned up. Oh, God's not interested in that. Have you read Proverbs? That's about all he's interested in. And let him do the work. Oh, well, I, see, you don't understand. I'm naturally not like... That's exactly right. I'm naturally a lazy person. I'm naturally a person that's shy. I'm naturally a person that likes people. I'm, I have a different plan for you, Paul. Oh, you are the master. You saved me. This is your plan. And everything else that I think of must be incorrect. If, if this book has to become a practical, real living book. And what really is lacking in the church is the practicality of actually doing 
the word. See, what does unity mean? Well, I think unity kind of means unity. Have you ever gone to a baseball game, football game? What do they do? Are they just all in unity because they're just, no, they all wear the same thing. Now, I know you can get kind of funny on this, but we've gone funny the other way. Well, next week I want us to show up with Yankee uniforms on. Little hat. They work in unity. And they all have the same plans. And you know the Yankees have different, I don't know, I'm not a baseball fan, but the Yankees have different plans and numbers for their plans than the Dodgers. They don't know the other guy's plans. They are a special family with a special work to do. God has put you in a special work. Unique. Not better or worse. It's unique. See, the brain has to be, you know where the brain has to be? has to be in your brain. has to be right here. You could have a wonderful brain on your knee. And it would be, ugh. It might even work well, but it would be like, you'd be staring at the guy walking down the street. He wouldn't wear shorts. <coughs> it needs to be where it's placed and conformed as God has done it. Now allow instruction to work. Amen. Amen, Lord Jesus. Give us understanding of your, your ways. Fulfill your purpose in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.